Do you want to know where you are in your leadership development journey and where to focus your attention in the future to get better results? Well, if the answer is yes, I would like to invite you to take my free world-class leadership assessment today and get an instant score of your current leadership level. By taking this new and fact-based assessment, you will be able to score your current leadership level against the world-class leaders as well as the five core areas of leaderships. Over the years, I've worked with the hundreds of professionals around the world and across all industries to help them achieve their leadership goals. So thanks to this work and the data, I have developed a solid assessment that you can take today. Now, the assessment is quick. It will just take 5-10 minutes and you will get an instant feedback and report received in your inbox. So, are you ready to know where you are? Take the free assessment today at www.andreapetrone.com assessment. And now, it's about time for a new episode. Welcome to the World Class Leader Show. This is the one and only podcast for ambitious and high achievers, professionals who want to become world-class leaders. In this podcast, we deconstruct the success of high-performance leaders, share their stories, and teach the most effective strategies to move from average to greatness. This is your host, Andrea Petroni, a high-performance and leadership advisor, executive coach, and keynote speaker with more than 20 years of international and executive corporate experience. Hi everyone and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leadership. In today's episode, I'm going to touch on one of the most interesting topics in leadership, and that is change. Because let's you know remember this: change doesn't happen if you don't understand first why people resist to change. Because I've seen too many great change initiatives fail just because leaders struggle to understand the causes of resistance and its effect on implementation. And often leaders underestimate, in fact, its impact until they realize then when it's too late, right? But the good news is that resistance can be fought if you know what causes it. So today I'm going to repurpose a LinkedIn Live event that we had uh, just a week ago. And uh, he had a great success with a lot of people participating, engaged with great questions, but also great comments about change, how to uh, acknowledge resistance, why is important doing that, and why is important as well though to embrace it. Embrace it and find the strategy, the right strategy then to overcome it. So sit down, take something to drink and enjoy this new episode. I want to introduce this topic about resistance starting from an important element of that is acknowledgement. So we need to understand as a leaders that resistance is absolutely normal, right? Sometimes as a leaders, we think that when people resist to change is because something wrong with them, right? Oh, they don't get it. They don't understand why we need to change, right? And that's not the best way of doing it, okay? So in my experience, the first, the first element of resistance is acknowledgement, right? Now, 
the, the, the most practical and effective approach when it comes to resistance is stop fighting it, as I said, and start embracing that. What that means embracing is you need to understand why people resist. I'm going to go through the four elements that are going to really help you to understand how to spur resistance in your organization. Okay. Now, before that, it's good to go back to the basic. And the basic is understanding what is the change curve. Whenever we introduce change in, a, in, a, in an organization as a leader, we need to understand how normally change is perceived along the journey. So at the beginning, people are normally very neutral, right? So they don't know much about what kind of change you want to drive. So they are essentially sitting and wait. So that is the first element. So they're, they're there, you know, just watching you, try to understand what you really want to do in an organization. The next step is normally you have a sort of initial excitement. So people see that you want to drive change, but they are not seeing yet the negative element of that. They are looking at change and say, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, we need to change. We need to do something different, right? But then soon after, what normally happens is they start to deny because maybe they start to realize that that change is going to have a, maybe a bigger impact on their life, on their role, on their career, right? Or also or an, on their work-life balance, or many other elements, right? So that initial excitement normally fades away quite quickly. So we start to see that level on the night. And then that's when resistance kicks in. So people start moving from denial to resistance. What that means really is they start to uh, challenge your idea. They start to say no to participating to the event, to the program, to the process. Essentially, they start thinking or saying, maybe publicly in the organizations, well, no, it's not going to work. Let's not do it. So as a leader, what we need to do, we need to understand these phases because once you understand that, you know that people, they're normally go through this process anyway, right? But the goal that we have is really helping them moving from a status of resistance to a status of commitment. And that's normally when the resistance needs to be addressed, okay? So we said number one is acknowledgement, understanding really that resistance is normal and we can and we should embrace it as a leader. As a next step, it's really understanding why people resist. Now that we know that they are allowed to resist, the question is why they resist, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. People resist for very different reasons. No one person is like another, okay? Everyone has his own reason for resisting. And we need to understand that. So there are really four reasons why people resist, okay? So one is depending on personality. The number two is depending on the perception that change is going to actually impact them. The number three is the status and the situation of each individual. And number four is actually the, the initiative itself, how the change initiative has been designed. So these are four big reasons why people resist. So let's expand on these four reasons one by one. Personality really has a big impact on reason why people resist. And first of all, because personality is really who we are as an individual, right? But the who we are is normally is a result of the experiences that we have in the past, especially when it comes to workplace, right? So many of you or many of us have been through change um, across maybe the entire career. Most of us, in a way or another, either was a declared change initiative or maybe just because it was a kind of a subtle change um, that was happening in the organization, right? So 
if people have been affected negatively about the change in the past, you guess what? They have a very, very low tolerance for change in the future, regardless of the, the quality of the change initiative that you have, right? So we need to understand that the experience, history, personal um, attitude has a big impact on personality. But when we talk about personality, uh, I'm sure that you can spot different type of personality in the workplace, right? So probably you have someone that uh, uh, is very anxious about change, right? So every single time that you introduce change, either as a personal level or maybe um, as a, as a comp at a company level, one normal you see is, is a someone that um, starts to be very stressed about the change. He starts to ask a number of questions even before the change has started. So he has all this anxious attitude about the change, right? And we need to understand that these people are maybe also very brilliant. So it doesn't really matter that. But it's important to understand that that is one of the typical personality traits that we see in organization. Another one, it's people that are very enthusiastic, right? So they every time they introduce change, they love it. They always say yes, this very easy commitment that you get from them because they are so excited to work in a change initiative. And these guys are, of course, very important when you introduce change. Another type of personality we normally face, especially when we go higher in the organization, are those people they are control guy, right? Control guy, maybe egocentric guy. These are the guys that they want to have everything in control. So when you say to them or you approach them, hey, I want to, we need to change, normally the reaction is, no, we don't need to change. They essentially put them, themselves in a status, that position, they experience on top of everything. So these guys normally are hard, right, to, to break them because they, they feel they are in control. Sometimes actually it's a protection mechanism, but sometimes it's just because they, they feel that change is not necessary. And these guys are, are, are important stakeholders most of the time, right? And finally, there is, in my experience, the last type of personality type, uh, you know, is the guy that is always saying no. He's reluctant to change no matter what. He's not anxious. He's not because he's based on control. He just doesn't like change. And he's going to say always no, right? So just to recap, you know, we said the anxious guy, the enthusiastic guy, the control-free guy maybe, and at the end, the, the guy that normally is very reluctant to change. Another important reason why people resist to change is related to the perception element, right? Because they are biased. So one of the reasons why people are biased, as we said a little bit earlier, because maybe the past experience hasn't been really good with them. The change maybe has really had a big impact on them, their life, maybe their salaries, work balance. So there is an element of that. But there is also another element uh, is the fact that uh, in organization, normally you have people, they perceive change very differently. So there are people, they are always very positive. And when they see the change, they're also positive about the outcome, right? So they have a very high and positive attitude to change, to risk, right? It's very much related to risk, actually, take. On the other end, normally you have the guy, they have, uh, they have the perception that everything is negative, right? Everything is not going to work. It never worked in the past. We always done this in the same way. Why the hell we need to change again, right? So that is negative perception and expecting, anyway, a negative outcome. And then there are other two type of perception. They're normally a little bit in the middle of that, right? So one is, is maybe the guy that is, he has a positive attitude about change in general, 
but in reality they are reluctant so they see things not you know as 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 you see as a leader so they are positive but in this specific situation they are reluctant on the other hand you can also find someone that maybe is a negative by nature he maybe is going to accept the change he's not going to push back but the only reason why he's doing that is for compliance because he has no other chance is is forced in a situation where either he says yes or if he says no is concerned that something's going to happen to him right job wise so that's the kind of things that we need to understand so that's slightly different than personality right so the personality is who really we are while the concept of perception is more is how we perceive the change so we need to understand these differences because you and you will understand a little bit later you will deploy a different strategy if it's driven by personality the resistance or for example is driven by different perception number 3 is important as well is the status i mentioned before the element of status title ego power that kicks in normally when you know when there is a change what they means is based on what people do they might have a very different attitude about change right so for example what we normally see what i see when i work with clients the self preservation kicks in so people they want to they tend to protect themselves and start to push back about change because they feel threatened somehow it could be their role it could be their influence in the organization it could be their power too right so we need to understand the dynamics so power is super important when it comes to resistance because normally people that are in power are those people as well they are the key stakeholders when you you really want to drive change right so we need to understand how power plays during a major change initiative and finally the four and last reason is the quality of the level of initiative now maybe people are open positive you know they are enthusiastic there is a good culture in organization so there are good reason why change should work but unfortunately as we probably know all know 70% ish of change initiatives in organization fail for many different reasons and i have to say based on my personal experience some some of these initiatives just fail because the program itself the process that's been designed is not the right one the the quality and how the um the initiative has been deployed or implemented in organization sometimes is just wrong and and i give you an example one of the signs that you see in organization when the initiative itself is not good enough is when you see people start to not attending meetings they're not participating on that it could be well that you know they don't like the vision for change etc but my experience is because they don't believe right they don't believe to the initiative itself and some of the reason so that's one of the signs other signs is is also because people they start challenging the execution all the time why we are doing this right why we are not doing this different they are challenging the, the leader the sponsor whoever is leading the change initiative about what how the program has been deployed and again some of the typical mistakes uh, when it comes to designing this initiative is not they are normally a very poor communication as we know communication is the number one element when it comes to change so good communication well drafted continuous and consistent across the organizations is very critical okay so communication is one of the reason the other reason is very very typical too is the lack of clear roles and responsibilities so people they don't really know who is doing what and then one normally brings a lot of confusion 
uh, frustration because people, they want to have clarity, especially if that change is going to have such a big impact on their life and their work. You can imagine how critical is having clear roles during change. So these are some of the examples of, uh, of reason why normally people don't like initiative or don't, don't believe to the initiative. And uh, finally, which is very important too, is the fact that sometimes there is no psychological safety enough in the organization. So any initiative essentially has been run or is run through compliance and not through participation. So there is no high level of trust. So people, they don't really want to participate and then just say, tell me what I need to do, I'm going to do it, right? That's not the kind of engagement and commitment that we really want to have in the organization when we drive change. So psychological safety is so, so critical, so important to make sure that people, you know, they challenge the status quo in a good way. You know, they provide uh, constructive criticism of things as well as feedback. So feedback is, by the way, the most important element of change because you really need to go back and forth, back and forth with your team, with your employees to understand whether the change is working, what else should we should do it, what we should do differently. So if there is no safety, there is no trust. If there is no trust, there is no feedback. You can see now how you know a very vicious circle could be built and then it's very difficult to break. So we need to create the environment and condition for people to share the feedback because feedback is key, especially if you think about very long and large change projects. These are projects, they, they don't see the light, they don't see results maybe for six months or maybe 12 months. Maybe they see the, the end results in 24 months. Can you see executing a project like that without having a proper feedback system in place? So these are the four main reasons why really people resist change. And I do work with clients every single time on making sure these reasons are well understood at the very early days, but sometimes even during execution, especially when you start deploying and drive down essentially the change across the entire organization. I'm looking at some comments right now. So I see Francesca saying, based on my experiences, people resist if there is no a clear and transparent communication about the change management project. I've seen enthusiasm and engagement in embracing change projects when the colleagues receive regular updates, especially from the manager, but not only. If you're involved, informally, you feel part of a project, you will be really engaged and you will do your best to get the best results for you, your team, and your company. 100%, Francesca, we, we said before, communication is huge. Now, what I see very often, unfortunately, is leader starting any change program with a big emphasis on we're going to do this, going to be incredible, powerful organizations. Normally, they go on the media saying that, but then very quickly, they disappear. So they essentially delegate the change, distributing the vision, explaining the vision, and communicating the need of change to the entire organization, to the managers. Now, it's not wrong per se. It's right that there is a delegation that allow everyone, every team, every functions to have a proper communication system. By my experience, that's not normally what is missing. What is missing is the leader and normally is the CEO and the C-suite executive keep consistently communicating that across the organization. So Guli says, in my opinion, 80% personalities in management roles that usually we have been interacting during business in our or other companies 
less likely willing to accept the change initiatives as they are not well communicated about change program from company, or they prefer to stay in well-stable comfort zone across the organizations, and or push the change back as they see it as a potential negative impact to their career stability and their performance results. Absolutely right, Guli. So that, that's exactly what, what we discuss about, right? Is people, they normally reluctant because they have essentially fear of losing. So normally when it comes to change, the fear of losing something is way bigger than the willing to win something else in return. Is really fear more powerful than the rewards. And as we know, that's super aligned with how our brain works, right? Because our brain normally favors fear protection than reward system. We have these two systems in place, but fear is the one that is dominant in our life because that's how our brain works. So that's why we need to embrace resistance. We need to understand resistance is normal because that's how our brain works. So when we start since the beginning to start fighting resistance is because we are putting ourselves in a position of power and we think that people, they shouldn't resist. Our, our idea, our need for, for change, our vision for change is so great. So people, why people resist? What's, what's the point? We are going to improve our productivity, our results, our way of working, right? But that doesn't work in that way with people. So that's why, you know, the first step, acknowledging, understanding resistance is key. And that leads me to the point that I'm trying to make now is about what strategies to use based on what we discussed. So let's go to, to strategy. The type of strategies that you need to use is very different. It's based on the situation, of course, right? Based on the people that you, are, that you are working with, but also based on the level of resistance that you are facing along the way. And the four main strategies that I'm gonna really recommend are, one is really uh, educating employees and, and your teams. Then there is a, an element of participation. So that is really about involvement, right? Then there is an element of negotiation. And finally, an element of uh, compliance or power. So these are the four main strategies, educating employees, uh, letting, letting them participate and be involved during the change. And then the, the next two, negotiation and maybe power, these are a little bit more tricky. And I'll come back to this, but these are the four ones. Now, some of them, they are working for any type of resistance that we face in organization, especially the first two, because we should always educate people about the need for change, the vision for change, why we are changing internally. So educating is, is a mix of communicating, but it's also giving people the tools, the systems, and maybe the skills to, to make sure that they can actually run and drive change themselves. Because you probably agree with me on this. Most of the big change initiatives, they do require a new skill set. They do require people understanding how to do to use maybe technology for the first time. Because technology is the best easy example, right? Maybe you are developing new ERP, or maybe you are changing the CRM system, or maybe you are digitalizing your services or your products, right? So then normally it's very easy to understand. Skills, normally technical, digital, to understand what kind of change we're gonna drive. But I'm talking about other skills too, because sometimes the change is more about the culture or is more about ways of working. So in that, in that specific situation, the skills that you need, they're not necessarily hard skills, but maybe are communication skills, maybe are leadership skills, maybe are 
uh, influence skill or leading differently, you know, your your team members. So there is an element of soft skill that normally comes to play too. So skills education normally is very important. So in my experience, in my personal uh, career, I've noticed that education should really be supported along the way. So it's up to the change leader, but also those people that are working in a project to make sure that you identify the right skills that are needed. It also keep educating and communicating the vision, as we said before, to the entire company population. So education normally works in any city. When it comes to the other strategy that works every single time and is by far my main favorite among the four is participation and involvement. When people participate actively into the change initiative, normally they tend to uh, fight or resist uh, to change less. So remember we said normally during change, people, they go down into this this valley where you know they are overcritical and they're resisting all the time on everything that um, that comes to their way, right? So if we allow them to be part of the change initiative, that is going to really help you to drive change organization. Now, the other two strategies I'm going to tell you in a bit, they are a little bit more forceful. So I think if you're able to really work hard on education and participation involvement, you will probably overcome most of the resistance internally, especially for those people are not necessarily reluctant. So they are open. Maybe they are a little bit cautious, but they are potentially open. So these are the guys that normally they get aligned using these two strategies. The other two strategies, I would probably pay a little bit more attention using those two. So one, as I said, is negotiation. Negotiation is really comes to an agreement with someone and normally involves a sort of you're going to help me on this, so you're going to change or you're going to drive change with your team and your people. In other words, you're going to accept. And on the other hand, I'm going to do this for you, right? So it's a typical sales negotiation, but done internally with other stakeholders. So I will never suggest going straight away to negotiation because negotiation is probably, in my opinion, the last resort. So when you don't, whether the two strategies are not working properly, I think negotiation could be the right thing to do. But remember, when you open a negotiation initiative, so essentially you use this strategy, expect a lot of conversation, not only with, with the same person, but also with others. Because as soon as you start negotiation with people about change, other people, they might know about it. They might want to negotiate too. So it's a really, really gray area. So I really recommend using it just maybe with very few people. They are super key stakeholders and without them, you will never be able to drive change. So is important? Absolutely. It, it will work? Probably yes, but be very mindful how to use it. And finally, the, the last element is about using power. So in other words, is using compliance to make sure that people change. And normally is really, really, it's not even the last resort. It's probably, you know, one step further. Is when you're desperate, you don't know what else to do. What essentially you do is saying is, hey, I understand that you don't want to change. I understand you are resisting, but I gave you all the opportunities to change. I gave you tools. I gave you ideas. I gave you education. I, I... I, you know, I involve you during the, the, the participation. Maybe we try as well to negotiate it, but now you're still resisting. So 
what shall we do here? So, and honestly, that is the time when you might potentially have that conversation one-to-one and say, either you align or I don't know what, what to do with you. And I know I don't want to talk, really talk about firing people because that's not my best leadership strategy ever. But you need to understand who is in front of you because if it's such an important key stakeholder and if it's not going to change, it's going to have a negative impact for all the entire initiative. Maybe that started 12 months before and it's still supported by the CEO. Honestly, you don't have really many options. So I strongly recommend working a lot on the number one and number two. Use the number three if necessary, but use the power, the compliance only when you are forced to that one, okay? In my experience, it's quite interesting because the power in uh, so, so, you know, this last strategy is normally <laughs> working quite effectively or it, it happens to use it with line managers, not really with the senior executive because normally senior executives, normally it could be the second or third line. Normally you come to number two, the persuasion, the negotiation, as well, but normally, you know, per, let let letting be part of the project. Normally, it's it's enough. Or sometimes you need to negotiate with them, and that's fine because they are also in a position to negotiate with you, as as a leader. Now, when it comes to compliance, doesn't really work with the senior executives anyway, because you know, senior executives are normally a little bit more aligned with the CEOs. They're supposed to be actually aligned with the CEO. So if you are approaching power. With the senior exactly, something is really going going on there. Something is probably wrong with the relation between the CEO and his leadership team. Okay, so in my experience, it normally is much more uh, frequent to see using compliance with line manager because line managers, as we know, they are such a big driver for change because they are potentially the best enabler for change, drilling down the organization, or they can essentially block the change at that level. And if you have a sort of an obstacle or bottleneck there, gosh, it's going to be super difficult then to go down there. So the line manager, they must be absolutely aligned with that. So these are essentially my suggestions. You can use and, you know, and try and use different strategies, but these are in my experience, the one they're working. Okay. So what do you think about this four different strategies? Oh, and of course, there is much more how to um, execute any of these strategies, but you know, for, for the time that we have today, I'm gonna stop at this level. Um, Lila is saying, for the second strategy, what would you recommend to effectively implement interaction involvement in change initiative? Uh, great question. So that is one of the specific tactics that you can use. My personal suggestion is one-to-one meetings is still the most effective ways to have a conversation with those people. So I strongly believe that the major change initiatives, they don't really work from a communication standpoint and also from a, from a strategic standpoint in terms of working with um, overcoming resistance you know, in large company meetings. That's not, in my opinion, in my experience, the best tool to use these strategies with people. So it has to be really a one-to-one conversation with people. So first of all, it has to be one-to-one. Second, Lila, I think it's really about, is an influence conversation, isn't it? So we need to understand what could be important for the other person if they change. What are the benefits of change for this person? Why change could be critical from a, in, in a positive way for this person to embrace? 
But in order to do that, you really need to understand the other people. You really need to understand what are the drivers, what are the aspirations, what they really want to have in their, in their life, in their career, in their profession. If you don't know them, if you if you know your employees, your team at very superficial level, you will never be able to have this conversation because you will never understand exactly what is the personal driver. So the one-to-one conversation is really aligned with try to understand how you can help the other person to achieve his ambition, to achieve his personal goals. And then understanding and try to understand how can I let him participate, be part of this change initiative so he can achieve his personal goal. Okay, so there is a strategic influence conversation to have. And finally, in terms of participation, my best suggestion is give them a role, give them a specific role with accountability on the change initiative. I tell you this, many people during change, they feel left behind. They want to participate, but they haven't been involved. They want to be, they are not raising their hand necessarily, either because they are introvert or they fear, you know, that something might happen. For whatever reason, they are not raising their hand. Help them to raise their hand, making sure that they can fill an important role as a change agent, as an ambassador that is going to get the most out of the strengths and their capabilities, and they can shine organizations. Because if people have visibility, normally they have a very positive attitude about your request to be more. Uh, engage or involve you in the project. And remember this, people, again, they want to be part of that because visibility in organization is huge. Many people, they don't really have their career progression, not because they are, they are not good enough. I don't believe that. I believe because people sometimes, they don't really climb the ladder because they are not visible. They are not seen. So give them an incredible opportunity to be seen. And when you work in change, gosh, what a better option for you to give to gain visibility, right? Because people can see you. They can see that you are maybe taking a pilot project within the major change initiative. You are leading an important stakeholder meeting. You are starting something specific. That's my best strategy. One-to-one understanding who they are, what they want, their drive, their goals, understanding how change can really help them to achieve them and then give them a role and visibility in, during the change initiative so they can really shine in front of everyone because everyone wants to shine. Even the introvert people, they want to have a career, or most of them. But how many times you as a leader or you as a manager maybe, you, you, you thought about understanding how people resist and why people resist, right? Sometimes we, we tend to go so fast into the execution and they forget that that is so important. As a result, and then we normally face resistance later. And then believe me, guys, facing resistance later is way, way harder than facing resistance at the beginning. So yes, it takes a little bit more time at the beginning. Be prepared of that. But if you do it, then the efforts later will be much less. Okay. And I know there is a problem right now in organizations because there is such an important drive for change. Uh, we need to be fast. We need to deliver. We need to run projects. But change doesn't work in a way. Change is not just because it's potentially is a long project, but because change requires every single step done in a proper way and very well crafted by whoever is managing change. As this is a very interesting topic, I really would like to hear from you and understanding what you think about this. So please send me any comments either uh, on LinkedIn or you can send me via email at andrea at andreapetroni.com. You can find any way these links on the show notes 
And, um, and by the way, if you like what we shared, I strongly recommend actually to leave a review because, you know, as a podcaster, we live with reviews. So the only way for our episode and our podcast to grow is by having positive reviews. So I appreciate that. And also sharing with your friends and colleagues if you think they might be interested. And final note, I normally um, summarize the findings of each episode, even the ones with the guest. Uh, on my website and I write every Thursday a very interesting uh, short summary about what we share so if you don't want to miss that and you prefer uh, reading I strongly recommend going to my website www.andreapetrone.com slash blog you can subscribe there I'm not sending any sales thing just big good insights of my experience with the podcast and my work with clients so Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I look forward to seeing you next time.